through our readings today, I think the Lord is redefining for us who are the rich, who are the poor, who are the truly blessed. If we were to look at the first reading from the book of Judges, as you know, that the people of God, once they left the land of Egypt and 40 years of the desert, they settled in the promised land. They settled in the ancestral places where they received through Jacob. But being there, they're always influenced by the people around them. So they begin to worship their gods. They were affected by them. And the minute they abandoned the Lord, they became weak. So they were attacked by the, by the peoples around them. And especially early on in the history of, of the people of God, once they returned back, once they came back from the Egyptian slavery, when they returned back, they, they lost their freedom many a times. And they were afflicted by peoples like, like Midianites, which is today reference to the Old Testament. What happened there is this. We have an interesting story. The son, um, Joash Gideon, was a farmer. Nothing unusual. Farmer who was trying to protect some of his grain for themselves because, as you know, Midianites came and they would take a big portion of their of their harvest as part of the being being uh, uh, you know enslaved by them. And so the Gideon, I guess, his father says, thresh some, you know, to take those those up, you know, the wheat wheat and 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 beat some wheat out of of the of the sheets so that you at least have some grain and perhaps to hide it, maybe to protect it. They were poor. And so there he is trying to protect as much grain as possible before it's taken away, Take, you know, before it's taken away by, by Midianites. And so there it is. And then the Lord appears to him. The angel of the Lord appeals to him and he says to him, he turns to him and says, the Lord is with you. And he speaks of him, a champion. But Gideon, simple farmer, and yet we see in that simple young farmer, someone of unusual faith, because the first thing he says, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has it all this happened to us? So in that common sense of a farmer, it's says, okay, if you say that you're with us, why, why are we afflicted by Midianites? Why aren't we free? Why are we aren't able to defend ourselves? Why are we enslaved again? And, and he continues, he says, where are his wondrous deeds of which our fathers told us when they said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? So he's so much, he's very much aware of his own faith, he's aware of faith. And this is why the dialogue between himself and the Lord is so real, so, so you know, powerful because he recognizes that God is real and say, why, are you, why have you abandoned us? For now the Lord has abandoned us and has delivered us into the power of Midian. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have received and save Israel from the power of Midian. It is I who sent you. God speaks to him. But then Gideon, as we see, is, is says, okay, please, my Lord, how can I save Israel? I'm nobody. 
I'm a farmer of a poor family. We have no leadership quality. I have no resources. And he's totally honest, totally honest. He's, this is not a pretense. As a good farmer would say, what, what do you want? I mean, I can't do anything. And, and so again, responding to, 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 the, to the Lord. But the Lord says to him, I shall be with you. I shall be with you and you'll be able to overcome your enemies. I shall be with you. And of course, Gideon is, he hears it, but then he says, okay, I think I hear it, but I need a sign. I need something concrete, not just because I hear something. And in the dialogue with God, I want the sign. So, so he has, he says, stay with me, stay with me, but I'll come, I'll come back and I'll bring a sacrifice of meat and, and loaves and, and this broth. And, and so he's testing the Lord and the Lord does not mind being tested. So he planned, he's putting the meat and uh, you know, the basket brings it to, to, to an altar and he presents it to the Lord. And then the angel of God said to him, take the meat and unleavened cakes and lay them down on this rock, then pour out the broth and when he had done this, the angel of the Lord stretched out the tip of the staff he held and touched the meat and unleavened bread. And thereupon the fire came from the rock that consumed the meat and unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord disappeared from sight. So what happens here is there's God gives him the sign. He was asking for that sign. So Gideon now aware that it had been the angel of the Lord said, alas, Lord God, that I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now he knows that if God appears to someone, they could, they would die. And again, the Lord promises, no, be calm, do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon built there an altar to the Lord and called it Yahweh Shalom, God is my peace, God is peace. Well, what happens here quickly, and tomorrow we're gonna read another reading but it will skip several chapters. And I want to just fill you in with what happens. So the first thing that he does, he musters up enough strength. And first his father has, you know, altar to God and God and also altar to, to Baal. So the first thing he does is that we can't have both. So he destroys the altar to Baal idol. Then he musters up enough courage and goes into the town and wants to destroy the, the, the you know, the altar uh, uh, to, to Baal, and especially like a, there's like a post there, you know, you know, uh, pointing people to God, Baal is the only God. But during the day, he becomes frightened. He becomes frightened because he said, what happened to me? So he does it at night and he destroys it, doesn't have enough courage during the day. So he goes at night and then of course, everybody comes up and he says, who destroyed it? And they all started pointing out, he says, it's probably him. And so he has to face type of justice. But at any rate, eventually, not only that, but he begins to, to prepare to battle the medians, to defend themselves, to free themselves from, from being enslaved to them. And so he, he writes out this note and sends out messengers that were gonna prepare for battle. So he gets about 20,000 people for this battle. And, and the Lord says to him, you know, okay, well, if it's 20,000 people, that means everybody will know that you probably did it on your own. So the Lord says, there's too many of you. And so first he says, out of the 20,000, he says, whoever is afraid of battle, just go leave. 
So a lot of people leave at that time. Then another test comes to those who are who are supposed to be the, the, the strongest one and, and and wise one. The Lord has gives them a special type of test. And so he ends up with 300 people only to battle the Medians. And and so no one would believe that 300 could overwhelm the army of 20,000. So, so, so this is what, what happens. And so he goes into the battle during the night without, without weapons, he, without weapons. He goes there with horns and, and, and glass and produces all kinds of noises all around the camp at night and it, it creates such a panic among those because they felt that there was a huge army attacking them at night. And so they, they couldn't see each other and start, you know, killing each other or harming each other. And then they ran away. And then finally, this was the, the beginning of the end of medium. And then subsequently the other people joined and, and they defeated them. But it is just I wanted to say this what the Lord has done for him. It was not because of what he was able to do in fear, trembling. He didn't have anything, didn't have possess. And yet God gives, God gives to those who say yes to him fully. And this is one of the first lessons. Who are the poor and who are the rich? The rich are those that are rich with God's power, grace, with his, with his word, confidence in him that grows because God's extraordinary love for them. And today we see the, the gospel, which is usually used for religious celebrations like we had, you know, the celebration here last, the Sunday, two days ago, for those who are committing themselves to the Lord through the vows of poverty, chest and obedience. This is a very, very important gospel because this gospel today follows up on yesterday's portion of the gospel. And yesterday, as you remember, the young man who said, you know, I have followed all the commandments. The Lord says, you know, how can I be saved? And he says, well, follow the commandments. And the young man says, I have followed all of them. I was very faithful. And the Lord says to him, if you wish to be perfect, go and sell, the, sell what you have and come and follow me. And, 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 uh, and the rich young man at that time was not able to do that. So he goes away sad. He goes away sad, but can you see the Lord's face? who looked upon him with love and he's walking away and the Lord is watching him walking away. Must have been a type of, of long period of silence because it was only later that Jesus says to those who were there with him after the young man left and he says, Amen, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for the one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Was, this was just the encounter with the young man wanted to be saved, wanted to do something for God even greater than, 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 than he was able, you know, to, to do even by following the commandments. And so the Lord says how hard it is. It's not because riches are bad. It's because what happens is there's something that riches do to us that kind of make us feel self-confident, you know, that we have the power, could be a self-aggrandizement, that we congratulate ourselves what we were able to accomplish. And so what it is, we kind of eliminate, push God aside. So we don't have the confidence in Him anymore, or at least not to the extent it is so necessary. And so, so this is what the Lord says, how hard it is. Because once we remove ourselves, we don't need God. If we don't need His grace, if we don't need 
his very presence because we consider that material goods are sufficient because we have enough to eat and whatever we have, clothing, whatever we have, and we don't really open our hearts to God because it's only within that, that poverty, interior poverty, we can say, okay, yes, I have these things, but I am not happy, I am not fulfilled. This is not what my whole life is all about. And so this is when Jesus says and continues, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, the impossibility, it's seemingly. But then when the disciple says, well, then who can be saved? If you say that this is so, and you know, they were not exactly well-to-do, but they, you know, again, these, these fishermen also have concrete, you know, knowledge of the world around them. Uh, they're, they're hard-working people, and they say, well, who can be safe if those who are well-to-do? And there was an understanding, especially towards the end, you know, in the, during the time of Jesus, that if, if you had well, if you were well-to-do, that means God blessed you. You know, it's the same thing that even, even uh, those who follow Calvin also, that the sign of God's blessing was material goods, material things, you know, things around us. So, so this type of understanding was there. And so when, when the disciples say, well, if people who have many things, if they can't be saved, so who can be saved? And again, Jesus says, for man it's impossible, not, but not for God, because all things are possible. And the second aspect of, of, of the immediately that Peter said today to Jesus, he says, look, you know, this rich man went away, how difficult it is. And he says, well, we left things. We left, you know, this young man didn't want to leave, but we did leave. We left behind our families, our wives. We left things behind. And then he says, well, so we're we gonna get out of this. I mean, once again, very common sense. We get out of this stuff. We followed you. Same for us. But for us, we 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 let go of these. We let go of that. What we shall receive, and Jesus gives them an extraordinary type of promise. That for those who have followed me, in the age to come, in the age of glory, the Son of Man is seated. When the Son of Man is seated on the right throne of of the glory of God. You yourselves will sit on the thrones. You'll be kings. You'll be the ones, those who follow. You yourself will share in the glory of the king himself, which is God himself. And whoever left, and whoever left and followed me and has given up houses and brothers and sisters, father or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the, my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. I think this is especially for those who have become religious, but I'm not saying this as a special type of category, but for everybody who leaves things behind for the sake of Christ, Christ will reward them richly. But as for us religious, we know that we enter a community, we let go of things, and then all of a sudden we have our family and other families and friends, and everybody seems to be there for those who share the love of Christ. It seems like the Lord rewards us even while we wish to let go of things. But you know what? The most important one is this. When we leave and we really follow the Lord, there's something that's special that takes place. We become very close to one another. Those who follow the Lord become really close because they share something greater than than just their, their personalities, personhood. There's a grace that's given 
was bishop a bishop of um, of a of a town in in Nigeria, Bishop Martin Ozoku, about 20 years ago, when when uh, we kind of realized that all of us, he and we and others who were following the Lord, especially embracing the Divine Mercy message, you know, he said to me something very unusual. He says, for those who love the Lord, those who, especially for those who love Divine Mercy, they're instantaneous friends, no matter where they come from, no matter what tribe they came from, no matter what country they came from, they seem to feel very comfortable with one another. They feel that they're close to each other. It seems like the Lord in His grace brings people together. You know, um, He gathers them because they have embraced Him. They embraced His grace, which is grace of love and mercy. And they wish to practice this grace that they have received to make it real, to share to share with one another. You know, we speak of works of mercy, uh, you know, corporal and, and spiritual, but above all, it's not just the things that we do, but the things that we receive. It is by giving that we receive, it is by practicing that we actually embrace more fully. It is this type of act of following the Lord that makes it so that makes it possible for us. And look what the Lord does. What do we leave behind? We actually, we don't leave behind because if we love, we still take care of our parents. If we love, we still take care of the poor. We still take care of, of everything. So we don't really in fact leave. We just leave in our hearts. So we don't want really to get too attached. And then we replace other things for God. And so we replace him, you know, the. So the, God's great love, God's that intimate relationship with Him. What do we leave behind, uh, except the attachments? But but the fact is that He brings and brings us into this incredible communion of love, where we realize that we are loved, that we are there, that He takes care of us, that He will take care of us in the world to come. He will be there for us along the way despite the difficulties, because He's still the Lord of life. He's the way and the life. He's the way, the truth and the life. So by following Him, we actually become more and more like Him. And then He's, he's the very presence that enriches us. Jesus Christ became poor, although He was rich, so that by His poverty, He may become rich. So are the rich, are the ones who love Him, because He's God whose wealth riches itself, and whoever shares in his life will become like him, rich with divinity, rich with, with everything that we can ever imagine. For he who has loved us wants to share his life with us. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking 
and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.